Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. Hey, we're in a series called Pray Now. We're actually based on 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says pray continually or pray without ceasing. We want to make prayer a lifestyle. It's one of the things that the early church was devoted to. And so we're going to dig into it. But right now, we're going to have a word of prayer because I want you to ask God to speak to you. That is our habit here because we need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. God has something that he has designed specifically for you, which is why he brought you here tonight. So uh, let's ask him to do that. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes one more time and just silently uh, just pray to God and just ask him to speak to you. Just say something like this. Say, God, you got my attention. Speak to me and I will respond. Heavenly Father, we say thank you so much again for this opportunity to be here tonight. God, we ask that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, through your word. Lord, just help us to put all the distractions to the side. May you take center stage in our life and in this place right now. And God, you would speak clearly. And Lord, we would hear, give us ears to hear and hearts and lives to respond tonight. Thank you, God. You get all the glory for all the good that happens because you alone are worthy. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6. It's where we're going to be tonight. And again, we're in a series called uh, Pray Now. Based on 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, God wants us to pray continually. He wants us to be a habit, a lifestyle of prayer, of connecting with Him, which is an unbelievable privilege. And as we've been digging into this, we've uh, found out so far that one, God says prayer is to be a priority in the life of a believer. It was in the early church. Acts 2.42 says that the early church, they gave themselves to four things. They devoted themselves, and one of those things is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Devotion, when you devote yourself to someone, there's effort there. There's energy. There's focus. There's passion. It's not something that you're like, oh, you know, just kind of casual about, or oh, it might be a good idea. When you devote yourself to something, you give yourself to it. And that is what the early church says, and that's what God wants for us. He wants it to be prayer to be a priority in our lives. The second thing we found out is that our prayers absolutely make a difference for us and for the people around us. We talked about that in our second session, how God in His sovereignty weaves His sovereignty and our prayers together in a miraculous, mysterious, wonderful way so that He uses our prayer as a part of His plan to accomplish His will on this planet. And so our prayers, they matter. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at uh, a topic that is really important. And so I've titled it, Don't Pray Like This. That's the name of the tonight. Don't pray like this. All right. Because before Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, which, by the way, they asked him of all the things they asked him to teach them. Prayer was the number one thing that they said, Lord, teach us to pray, not teach us to speak like you, teach us to do miracles like you, Lord, teach us to pray. So before he taught them how to pray, he taught them how not to pray. All right. He says, there's people that are praying wrong and I don't want you to do this. See, all kinds of people pray. All religions, they pray. All right. And in Jesus's day, all kinds of people prayed for all kinds of things and in all kinds of ways. But Jesus wanted them, his disciples and his followers at that time, and us now, his followers now, he wants us to know, hey, there are some ways that you can pray that are absolutely wrong and I don't want you to do that. 
So don't pray like this. So we're going to look at a passage, and there are four things in here that Jesus is going to give us some instruction about. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus himself is speaking, and he says this. When you pray, right out of the gate, there's an assumption there. The prayer is to be a part of our ongoing experience. Not if, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In this passage, there are four ways that Jesus says, don't pray like this. And the first one, right out of the gate there in verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites. Don't be a hypocrite. That's the number one thing. Don't be a hypocrite. Now, when Jesus was talking about hypocrites, he was referring to the religious elite of his day that used prayer as not a way to get to God, but as a way to get to something else. They used prayer not to get to God, but as a way to get to something else. They were hypocrites. They seemed like they were going to God for God, but they weren't. They were praying as a way to get something else. And that something else was to be seen by people. All right. In the first century, the more uh, the more religious you were, the more props you got. All right. So you got more respect. You got more importance attached to your person. You had a little more authority going on for you. So when you could make yourself look more religious, man, that was a big deal. And so Jesus said, these people that are doing this are hypocrites. They are not praying to get to God. They're praying to use God to get something else that they want. Don't be like them. Just on a side note, I love that Jesus is not afraid to call people out. He calls people out to account based on truth. People who think that Jesus, you know, you hear this, you know, in our society, hey, Jesus is, he's a good teacher. He's a nice, you know, warm, fuzzy kind of, you know, love and peace kind of teacher. And I, people who say that to me, I just look at him and I go, have you actually read the Bible? Have you read it at all? Because if you read the four first, four, uh, first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which are the life and times of Jesus Christ, you'll find out that Jesus pretty much offended just about everybody. Which is not a surprise, because he was perfect holiness. He was sinless. And so when every other person who was broken and who was a sinner bumped up against that, one or two reactions. Either one, they saw their sin, they humbled themselves, they reached out to Jesus and said, I need a Savior, I need you. Awesome. Option number two, they bumped up against that, and you know what? Their pride flared up, and they were offended, and they took offense at Jesus. Jesus didn't care. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I love you. You need to know the truth. My truth is in the morning. I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. So Jesus was not afraid to call people out and say, listen, you're doing it wrong. You're a hypocrite. All right? You're a hypocrite. You're doing it wrong. You're going to God, you know, not to get God. You're going to God just to get something that you want. The focus is not on God. The focus is on you. So let me ask us, myself included, let me ask us an honest question. Do we pray like that? Do we pray? Are we more concerned about getting stuff from God than we are about getting God and getting close to Him and getting to know Him? Let me ask it this way. Do we go to God in prayer mainly to get something from Him or do we go to God in prayer because mainly we believe and think He is wonderful? 
because that is who he is. And let me tell you, and you know this experience, just in your own relational world from human to human, right? If you're in a love relationship with someone, you do not want to hang out with them primarily because of what they can do for you, what they can give for you, right? Or give to you. You hang out with them because you think they're awesome and they're great, right? That's why I married my wife, because I wanted to be with her all the time, not because of what she could give me or the great meals she could give me or whatever. I, I married her because I just love being with her, right? I mean, think, think of someone right now that you enjoy being with. Every one of you has got a picture of somebody in your mind right now. I know most of you are, t- are thinking about me, so I appreciate that. But uh, totally kidding, totally kidding. All right, think of that person. Why do you enjoy them? Why did that person's you know, name and face come to your mind? It's not because of primarily what they can do for you. It's because you think they're great and they're awesome and you enjoy being with them, right? Because let me tell you, if you don't enjoy being with them, then you know what? That relationship, it's effort. It is work, right? I mean, it is a bother. Sometimes it's a nuisance, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you get a phone call, you look at your phone, you see the name on it, and some of you are like, this is awesome. And some, you look at this person like, yeah, I'll, I'll call them like way later, okay? Because you're just like, uh, I don't want to get it, right? Right? So in your dating world, for those of you who are dating, how many of you have ever, did you ever date someone who turns out they didn't really want to go out with you? Anybody? Three, four people of you? Okay, the rest of you? The rest of you come next week, we'll be talking about your pride issues, okay? Uh, for us normal human beings, yeah? I mean, I remember I asked this one girl out, and it didn't matter what I did during the day. She was not interested. I could not get her interested in me, you know, and by the end of the night, I was not interested in her. So I'm like, hey, there you go. Congratulations. You win. So it's, you know what? It's, it's, it's effort. But when you love someone and you think they're great, you just want to be with them. It's the same in your relationship with God. Listen, if you don't think God is awesome and wonderful, then your prayer life is going to be effort. You're going to have to discipline yourself hard to pray. It's going to be a lot of work. But if you think God is wonderful, there's going to be a desire there for us to go and spend time with our Heavenly Father. Because we think He's great. Because we think He's awesome. Because we think He's wonderful. Now that's not to say, and please hear me clearly, that's not to say that sometimes your prayer life is not effort, because sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a battle. Why? Because we're in a spiritual battle. Sometimes it's warfare, man, and it is hard, and you are going after it. But you know why you're doing that? You're not doing that because you don't think God is awesome. You're doing it because you think He's awesome, and you want to be on His team, and you want to battle with Him and for Him, right? So there's effort, and and we'll get into that later on in this series. But you do it, you put in that effort. Why? Because you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you think He's wonderful. If you don't think He's wonderful, then you're just going to go to Him for stuff. And Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. Don't do it. Don't pray like that. And if you'll notice these guys, it says that they prayed in the synagogues and on the street corners. You know why they're on the street corners? Because that's where two streets meet. You know why that is? That's where the most people are. That's what they wanted. They wanted it to be seen by them. And Jesus said, they got their reward. Congratulations. That's all you're going to get. Jesus said, don't pray like that. Don't be a hypocrite. Secondly, he says, don't forget who you're praying to. Don't forget who you're praying to. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father 
who sees what's done in secret will reward you. You father, don't forget who you're praying to. You're praying to a heavenly father who is excited about you. He loves you. His heart is for you. His gaze is towards you. And his heart is generous towards you. He says, who is unseen? Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew 7, 11 says this. If you then, though you are evil, Jesus is speaking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? His heart towards you is generous. So let me ask you a question honestly. When you go to God in prayer, do you see yourself as going to someone who is excited about you, whose heart is for you, and who is generous towards you? Or do you see someone, do you see God as being stingy and someone whom you've got to pry his fingers off of any blessing and any good thing to try to twist his arm in order to give it to you? Jesus says, don't pray like that because that's not who your Heavenly Father is. Listen, God is the person who's most invested in you. He gave His one and only Son for you, to purchase you, to get you to be with Him forever, right? We've talked about this in the past. Jesus had everything but one thing without His death, apart from the cross. He had everything except for one thing, and that was you. That was me. He went to the cross because He loves us. He's totally and completely invested in you. When you go to him in prayer. Do you go with the attitude that he's excited to see you, fired up that you are there, and has a generous heart towards you, or someone who is cold and reluctant and stingy? Jesus said, don't pray like that, because that's not who your father is. Don't forget who you're praying to. Don't forget who your father is. Third thing, we find it right here in this verse, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be a babbler. Don't be a babbler. All right? What's going on here right, is these people believed that there was a secret formula. If you had the right intensity, the right emotion, the right passion, the right volume, and the right words, and lots of them, then you could really connect with God. You could really connect with God. But that's what you had to have. You had to have lots and lots of words and intensity and volume. That's what you need. And Jesus said, don't pray like that. Babbling is lots of words, little meaning. He says, don't pray like that. Don't, don't be a babbler. Don't think that that's, there's a secret formula. There's two problems with that. One, you know, this plays into, hey, I want everybody to look at me because I'm going to pray with lots of words so everybody can see me. And two, it really has a really wrong view of who God is. Because the assumption here that in order to be heard, you've got to do all this. The assumption is that God's heart is not for you. That you've got to convince him using this secret formula of lots of words that you've got to convince God to listen to you and to pay attention to you. And that's Wrong. That's wrong. If you're here and you're a believer, guess what? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
God is already convinced. You don't have to try and convince him. He is already convinced about you. He loves you. He's for you. You belong to him forever. You don't have to try to convince him. You don't have to try to work for his approval. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's already convinced. He's already convinced about you. Just settle in that for a minute, okay? Just allow that to seep into your bones. Because our world comes to us in a very different way. Our world and our culture says, prove to me that you're valuable. Prove to me that you're worthwhile. And Jesus said, that's wrong. Because of what he did on the cross, he purchased us. And he convinced God already for us. God's heart is toward us. Romans 8, 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus said, don't be a babbler. Don't do it. Don't think that all these words are going to make it happen, because they're not. That's not what you're supposed to be about. You know, some, some people are afraid to pray out loud because they think they're going to use the wrong words. Hey, when your kids were young, how many of you were just excited that they would say anything? Amen. Right? Come on, right? When they're just getting going, you're just excited about it. Right? I remember when my kids started to talk and I'm just like, yes, it's amazing. I have no idea what you're saying, but come on. You're getting there. Right? It's your Heavenly Father. Again, scene number two. Don't forget who you're praying to. Don't be a babbler. You don't have to worry because there's no secret formula. Be honest, be real, and just, just lay it out there, man. Just lay it out there for God. Which brings us to number four. Four is this. And it's in the last verse, verse eight. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need. Here it is. Don't forget that your Father knows what you need. Don't forget that your father knows what you need. He already knows. Why does he know? Because he knows you. He knows you. Psalm 139, 1 through 6, 17 through 18. Let me read it for you. The psalmist is speaking about God, and because he's speaking about an eternal God that never changes, and these words were not only for the psalmist, these words are for us. Says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God is familiar with everything about you. And did you catch this reference to sand? How many of you have ever been to a beach? How many of you have ever been to a beach? Yes, everybody gets a per. How many of you have ever seen a picture of a beach? Okay, how many of you know what a beach is? All right, awesome. Everybody participates. Fantastic. Yeah, when you go to a beach, pick up a handful of sand and you start counting the grains. Have, have any of you ever done that before? Don't do it, okay? Just stop. That's, that's crazy. Don't do it, right? Jesus says, if you could, you know, the psalmist there, our inspiration, the Holy Spirit says, if you could count all the sand kernels, guess what? They wouldn't even begin to touch the thoughts that God have about you. They're not enough. God still has more thoughts about you. You know what that means? It means this that you are never off of God's mind, ever. 
Never. You are never out of his thoughts. You are never off his minds. So you know how he knows you? This is how. And because he knows you, he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Now, listen up to this, because this has been revolutionary for me, what I'm going to share with you, this truth, super helpful to me, especially in the season that I've been walking through. God not only knows you, and he knows what you need. When it comes to your prayers, he knows what's on the other side of your prayers. Okay, follow me on this. He knows because he's God. He stands outside of time and space. He knows everything. He knows all possible outcomes. He knows everything. He knows what's on the other side of your prayers. What I mean by that is this. He knows what a yes to your prayer would mean, and he knows what a no to your prayer would mean. He knows what's on the other side of your prayers. Follow me. Luke 11, 11 says this. Jesus is speaking. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Listen, we are warped people. We are broken by sin. But you know what? If your son comes to you whom you love and says, I want a fish, you're not going to hand him a snake. Right? You're not going to do that to him. All right? So get the connection here, what Jesus is saying. Jesus says that he would not hand you a snake, which means... He knows what's on the other side of your prayers. So if a yes to your prayer would mean that you would get a snake, he's not going to do it. If a no to your prayer means that you'd get a snake, he's not going to do it. Because he's not going to give you a snake. He knows what's on the other side of your prayers. Now sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we ask for things and we think this is a fish. This is what I need. And God says, no, if I give that to you, it's actually going to be a snake. Okay, how many of you, looking over your shoulder, looking back in your past, how many of you have ever prayed for something that you knew you just needed to have and you wanted and God didn't give it to you and now, looking back, you're very grateful that He didn't answer your prayer? Anybody like that? Yeah. Look at that. With time and perspective, we can see some things. Imagine what God can see. He can see it all. And sometimes we think... God, this is what I need. Listen, I've done this. I have done this. i just be honest with you. I've done this. I've, I've said, God, this is what I want right here. And then I give him a list of reasons why he needs to get on board with this. I'm like, God, here's all my reasons why this is a really good thing for you to give me. And I think, you know, you need to get on board with, with my plan for me because it's pretty obvious here. I've made quite, quite a good whiteboard layout that this is what I need. So you need and should, and it makes sense to me. I know it makes sense to you, God. You need to give this to me. Okay? How stupid is that? All right. How, how rebellious is that? God knows what's on the other side of our prayers. And sometimes we think it's, it's a fish, but it's really a snake. And God says, if a yes to your prayers would mean that you would get a snake, I'm not going to do it. And if a no to your prayers means that you get a snake, I'm not going to do it. Jesus says, stop praying as though God is clueless about your life. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. Trust Him. That's the thing. That's the sticking point. Trust Him. He is your Heavenly Father. And He's not going to give you a snake. Even when you want it. You know, when, my, when I still remember Dylan, when he, I think he was two. My son Dylan, when he was two, I was drying dishes and I was putting a knife away. I, drew, I drew a, uh, dried a knife and I put, was putting it in a drawer. And Dylan saw it and was shiny. And so he pointed to it, and he told me in no uncertain terms that he wanted that. 
And I said, no, you're not going to get it. And he, and he kept going. Dad, I don't, you know, I, I, want, I, want, I want this, this, you know, I want. And, and you know what? He could ask me all day long. I'm not giving it to him, okay? He could ask me all day long. He'd get all his little friends together and claim it by prayer. It ain't happening, okay? Not doing it. You know why? Because I love him, and it's a snake. But he thought it would be a good thing because it was shiny and bright, and it looked cool. Nope, it's a snake. God's not going to give you a snake. He's not going to give you a snake. So you got to trust him. You got to trust him. So I know some, some people are, you, you know, you might be thinking, well, it's, how do I, you know, how do I know? I mean, how do I, how do I partner that with what Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, where he tells them a parable that they should always pray and not give up. He talks about persevering in prayer. Well, how do I partner with that? What do I do? Here's what I would say. If you got something on your heart, man, lay it out there and keep praying about it until one or two things happen. Either God tells you to stop or he answers your prayer. Amen. There it is. You know, God said, think of the Apostle Paul, right? He prayed for the thorn to be removed three times. It was an ongoing prayer request for him. And God came to him and said, nope, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to give you grace that's going to be greater for you so that you can deal with it. And you're going to be a greater testimony for me. And guess what? Paul never prayed about it again. There's no evidence that he ever prayed about it again. Because God told him to stop praying. So if you're not sure about something, ask. Bring it to your Heavenly Father. Keep after it. Be like the, the woman at the door of the unjust judge, Luke 18. Keep going until he answers your prayer or he tells you to stop. Amen. He's not going to give you a snake. you got to trust him. So, don't be a hypocrite. Don't forget who you're praying to, Heavenly Father, who is for you. Don't be a babbler. And don't forget that he knows what you need. Amen. So, Again, full confession, I have prayed every one of these things. I have been guilty of every, praying every one of these ways. And here's the good news. Because Jesus cares deeply about our prayer life, he gives us this instruction. And if we find ourselves matching up with one of those, hey, I'm doing that, we can slam on the brakes and we can repent. Because God will always answer a prayer of repentance. Always. He will always do that. And so how about for you? Which one of these? Which one of these do you need to pay attention to? Are you a hypocrite? Are you, are you going to God just mainly to get stuff and not because you think he's wonderful? Or have you forgotten who you're praying to? You think God is cold and stingy and aloof and you've got to really work hard to get him to have his heart turned towards you? Or are you a babbler? You think you've got to have the right, the right amount of words in order to convince God to hear you? Or have you forgotten that God knows exactly what you need and his heart is for you and he's not going to give you a snake? I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And again, the great news is, is if we're heading down the wrong road, we can say no, we can repent, we can turn and we say, God, help us. And he will. And he will. Let's pray together. Their heads bowed and your eyes closed. Thank you again for your gracious attention. You guys are so, so great. I'm so grateful. This is the important part of our time together, man. What did God say to you and what do you need to do about it? Truth is meant to be lived. So what is it that God spoke to you about? In the sanctuary of your own heart, what did he talk to you about? And what do you need to do about it? Just take a moment. Right there, silently. Just take a moment and respond to him. 
If you're a believer, he's your heavenly father. He's excited about you. He wants to guide you. He wants to correct you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to grow you. And this is your opportunity in this moment to have a spiritual thing happen under his direction and with his strength. So take a moment, silently just respond to him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here and you do not know God is your Father, He's your Creator, and one day He'll be your judge. But He wants you to know Him as your Father. He wants you to know Him personally. He wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. If you're here and you're like, Wes, I'm not sure I have that. I'm not sure I'm going to make heaven. I'm not sure. Well, you can be sure. You can absolutely know. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for our sins, that which separates us from God, that which condemns us. So whoever, wide open invitation, whoever believes in Him, surrenders their life to Christ, turning from their sin, placing their faith and trust in Jesus, whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. If that's you, if that's what you want, then take a moment right where you are and tell God that. In fact, let me, let me help you. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me. Not out loud, in your heart. Mean the words as your own. It's not magic. It's the intent and the thoughts and the commitment of your heart matters. Just pray something like this silently. Just say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. You have life to give me. I want that. I want you. So I turn from my sin. I repent. And I turn to you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. But if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to remember you in a closing prayer. With no one looking around, I'm just going to ask you to just raise your hand and say, Wes, I prayed that prayer and meant it. Pray for me, man. This was my moment. Jesus spoke to me. I gave my life to him. Pray for me. If that's you, I just want to pray for you real quick. Not by name. But if that's you, I want to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Father, thanks for your truth. Thanks for your word. Jesus, thank you that you gave us instruction about this important business of prayer. Communicating with you. Delighting in you. So grateful. So Lord, help us to walk out of here. It's having been encouraged by your truth. That Lord, you know what we need. That you are for us. That you are with us. That you care about us, God. May we remember this all week long as we spend time with you every day. May we live the life you want us to live. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.